This message was presented at the GYC to the end in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. It's powerheads. Lord, it's a it's a mighty privilege to be called your children. And Father, we pray that as we have accepted this privilege as you've called us and we've accepted to be called your children that we we, we would well represent you on this earth. We ask that the time that we spend now um, thinking about principles that we can apply to our lives for very practical things, um, that the Holy Spirit would guide our conversation, guide our thoughts, and Lord, lead us into truth. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, this feedback. Okay. Um, how many of you were here for any of the first two sessions? Okay, all right. I'll do a quick recap for the, the parts that will probably be important in applying here. What we're doing, the exercise that we are... The exercise... Is there a sound person? I've got feedback. Sound, sound people? Okay. The exercise that we're engaging in, you'll forgive the feedback for now, um, the exercise we're engaging in is we looked at the great controversy as a meta-narrative. We looked at the story of the great controversy, which is a story that began in heaven where an angel who was close to God decided that he wanted to... Okay. Is it on? Ah. Okay. Problem solved? Yeah. Hey! Oh, okay. Thank you, brother. Okay, okay. So, in the great controversy story, an angel who was right in the presence of God, Lucifer, who was one of the chief angels, decided that he wanted to usurp the place of God himself. And so, he goes around spreading lies about the character of God, and we find ourselves today now caught in the middle of this controversy that the devil is spreading lies about who God is, about the character of God. And we have a choice to make today whether we're going to live our lives in accordance with the lies that the devil is telling, or we're going to study the Bible and learn the truth about who God really is. Now the thing is, the, this, this meta-narrative, this story, this backdrop worldview story gives a background for our Christian living. So I, I shared in a previous session that I was giving a Bible study one time to some young ladies, grew up Christian, not Seventh-day Adventist, and I gave the Bible study on the great controversy, and we went through the Bible texts, Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14, Revelation 12, and for the first time, they saw this big picture of this cosmic battle that was happening for their souls. After that, one of the ladies, one of the young ladies said to me, she's like, hey, so is that why, like, the whole discussion about alcohol is important? She saw the picture, and in her own mind, she made the connection. She was like, hey, so, so wait, so when we talk about alcohol, you know, and, and not drinking and that kind of thing, like, is that why this matters? And I was like, that's precisely why it matters, and we'll study that next week. And we came to Bible study next week, and we studied on, on, on drinking alcohol. And these girls were party girls, and they were like, dude, like, if the devil's trying to, like, get me by making me go party, and I lose my mind, and I'm not thinking straight, 
I don't want to give the devil an upper hand. And it completely changed their life. So this meta-narrative, the worldview, puts into context our Christian lifestyle stuff. Yeah? Okay. So in this session, we're going to be talking about Christian lifestyle things. If you thought it was going to be something else, then now's your chance. But we're going to talk about we can't cover everything, um, nor can we go in depth into everything. Uh, that's why we're putting it in a context, and the context is supposed to give you uh, a framework to process. Okay? And what, what I'm going to do now is, is contextualize these issues for you and hopefully give you some pointers and some tips for you to go home and think and study and think for yourselves. Now, I have a peeve. Okay, I'm going to say up front something that peeves me. I have gone to gazillion seminars where it's like a, a dressing seminar, a music seminar, uh, entertainment seminar, and you, you know what peeves me is not necessarily the presenter. It's more so the attendee. And uh, the attendee being me sometimes, sitting there being like, okay, so tell me what I should listen to. Wait, so, so wait, are you saying that, like, let me play this song for you. Is this song okay? It's like, uh, how about if if, like, uh, is the clean version okay? <laughs> you know, it, it kind of peeves me because it's like, it's like we've lost the art of thinking. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, just tell me what I should do to be holy and then I'll do it. Uh, those of you who went here for the seminar on, on free will, God has given you a brain. He has given you a brain. And then he gave you his word. But you know, to top it all off, he has given us the Holy Spirit. So I don't believe in do this or listen to this specific artist or don't listen to this specific artist. I don't believe in that. Because what if the next day they sing the wrong thing? Because your brain is switched off. You're like, well, pastor said, you know, uh, Fred Hammond's all right, so I'm gonna listen to Fred. <laughs> I don't know. Pick, that's an. I don't know if he still sings. Does he? <laughs> it's like from long ago. <laughs> it, I, I don't believe in that. Like, switch on your brain and think for yourself. Think, but not just think. Study for yourself. Go to the Bible with your questions. Say, Lord, I am not sure what to make of this whole dress thing. So I hear people saying this and I hear people saying that. I'm not sure what to make of it. Open my eyes, Lord, and help me to know what to do. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Genesis. All right. Let's, since I mentioned dress, let's start with dress. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Um, here I'm giving you context for why the conversation about dress is important. Where it came from, where it started, 
And um, yeah, Genesis 2, verse 25. This is after we ended in verse 24 last seminar. Verse 25 says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. God creates Adam and Eve, and he puts them in the Garden of Eden, and they are naked. Adam and Eve are naked, but, but then the Bible says they were naked, but they were not ashamed. Why does the Bible say, but they were not ashamed? Why, does, why, does, why do we have that contrast between, like, yes, they were naked, and they were not ashamed? Why, is the, why does the Bible mention that they were not ashamed? Because they had robes of light. Okay, yes. Yes, yes. I'm looking for something even more obvious. Yes. Okay, yes, 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 yes. I think I'm going like way too obvious. Okay. For you to say, you know, uh, you know, she was walking down the street, you know, and, uh, okay, I was going to give an example that's a little too, okay, so when I was in college, um, I went to school in the Boston area, so we go to Newbury Street in Boston, and, you know, I'm with my group of friends, and uh, they're like all these fancy restaurants. So we go to eat in this restaurant, and it was kind of like we were seniors, we were celebrating. And as we were leaving, you know, we walk out, and then a waiter runs after us, right? And the waiter is like, excuse me, ma'am, excuse me, ma'am, is this yours? And it was an extension. <laughs> and my friend's extension had fallen out of her hair, okay? So the ladies here who have the, you know, experience with extensions know what I'm talking about. Like, it had fallen out of her hair, and it had fallen on the ground, and the waiter saw it happen, so they picked it up and ran, was like, is this your hair? (laughs) We were all embarrassed. I mean, we were ashamed. (laughs) We were like, oh, man, he brought your hair back to you. (laughs) (laughs) So if I'm like, you know, she's walking down the street, and her wig falls off, and she's unashamed. Right? Because you would expect the natural response to be like, oh snap, right? So the fact that Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, they were naked and were not ashamed. The Bible is contrasting something you would expect, right? You would expect that someone who's naked ought to be ashamed. No? Yeah. No. Yes? Yes. (laughs) Okay. And this is exactly what happened to them after sin comes into the world, right? So turn to chapter 3. After the woman eats of the fruit in verse 7, and the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So when sin comes into the world, something changes about their reality. And now them being naked is something shameful. You're following? My brother stayed up here. He, he, he gave like, you know, some deep theolo- theological insight. He was like, they were covered with, 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 a, with a robe of light before they sinned, right? They, there was a reality that they existed in where their physical nakedness was not something to be ashamed because there was, there was something mitigating that for them. And we have an inkling to what that may have been because what happened, what changed was a spiritual reality for them. And suddenly they're walking around and they're naked and they're like, Adam's like, oh girl, 
you know, and Eve's like, oh man, and, and they look for leaves, and, and, and I've, I've been trying to imagine what they used to sow the leaves with, I'm like, were there thorns yet, did the thorns like suddenly come up, and then she's like grabbing, you know, like spider's web, and like, you know, like to sow, I, I have no idea how they did it, but they sewed leaves together, you know, the term that's used for what they made, the Bible says they made aprons, yes, in King James, made aprons. In the Greek, the word is hagor, which in other parts of the Bible is translated belt or loincloth. Basically, they were like, we just got to cover the essentials real quick. So they run off trying to, trying to cover themselves up because they're like, now, you know, we live in a world. <laughs> um, the devil... The devil is crafty. Feeling ashamed is not a nice feeling. Nobody likes feeling ashamed. And so what the devil does is like, you know what? I will remove shame. I.e., you can be naked and you don't have to be ashamed. Walk around, show everything to the world and you ain't got to be ashamed. So he'll put the people who the world adores, right? The movie stars, the television personalities, the music personalities, maybe people you respect in your life, you'll put them up in the forefront, walking around all naked with no shame, trying to tell you that you don't have to be ashamed of your nakedness. Now when God comes down, does God say, you know what, Adam, Eve, don't worry about that nakedness. I mean, you... you made yourselves a little covering over here so you're alright does God say that? no he doesn't let's keep reading verse 17 this is after oh well actually let's, let's keep reading what, what God says uh, they heard the voice of the Lord verse 8 walking in the garden in the cool of the day they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden you know what this tells me this tells me that even though they had sowed fig leaves together they had sowed these leaves together it was still an insufficient covering because they were still ashamed it was insufficient and God called Adam where are you and he said I heard your voice in the garden I was afraid why was he afraid he said, I was afraid because, because I was naked. Guys, okay, this great controversy thing, when sin enters the world, one of the obvious, and we're just reading the Bible here, one of the obvious things that happens as a result of sin coming into our world in this great controversy is this dilemma of being naked. Do you see it? Am I making things up? Uh, people are like, I'm not sure. As a result of sin coming into the world, there's this question of how you dress. Because shame has now been introduced. And so God in verse 17, he curses the ground. Verse 18 says thorns and thistles it will bring forth he's got to work hard in verse 19 and God said oh no, 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 no. wait where's what I'm looking for do you know what I'm looking for where is it chapter 3 verse 
21. There it is. 21, I, I skipped over it. Unto Adam and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothed them. God came to Adam and Eve and he saw they were hiding. They had this conversation and, and God in his loving kindness, he saw they tried to cover their nakedness, but it wasn't sufficient. So God, not out of leaves, he makes clothing for them. That's going to be warmer because it's made from animal skin. And the word in the Hebrew that's used there is ketoneth. This is not a loincloth. This is a robe. So in other parts of scripture, when, when this term is used, ketoneth, it's, it's a long tunic garment that he made for them to cover up their nakedness. Here's what I'm saying. Uh, the spiritual analogy to this is when we sin and we try to cover up our sins by our own actions, it'll never be sufficient. Everything that we do to try to be right with God, it will never be sufficient. It's like trying to sew leaves together to cover up our shame and it will never be sufficient. Before God, he sees everything and he's going to be like, that doesn't make the cut. And so God comes and he says, I want to cover you, spiritually speaking. I cover you with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that's the only covering that's going to be sufficient. And so he clothes us in the righteousness of Christ. It's a beautiful thing because, you know, in order for Adam and Eve, it's a beautifully, tragically beautiful, I don't know. Yeah, like, you know, like a romantic tragedy? Like it's beautiful, but it's tragic. For Adam and Eve to be clothed, there was an animal that had to die. At least one animal had to die. And in order for us to be clothed spiritually, Jesus had to die. Practically speaking, when we walk around acting like ain't no shame in being naked, we're trying to say that sin doesn't affect us? We're trying to say that, you know, I don't, I don't need Jesus because I can fix this myself. We don't need salvation. We don't need heaven because being naked doesn't matter. Um, there are clothes that are material but leave you naked. I'm talking men and women. There are clothes that are, that are a lot of material but still leave you naked. And that ought to bring shame. They ought to bring shame. I, uh, I respectfully want to submit to you that Seventh-day Adventists should be people who are acquainted with the concept of shame. Not because we walk around shamefully, but because we understand that there are things that are shameful. My mother, uh, when, whenever, you, whenever we do something wrong, I don't know if there's an English equivalent. If we do anything wrong, she'd be like, uh, I'm going to translate it to English. She'd be like, have shame. You know, like you went, you went and you messed up her kitchen and she'd look at you and say, have shame. And you're like, okay, uh, acquiring shame now, you know, (laughs) 
And she'd be like, Dana? The word is Dana. She's like, Dana? And it's funny because I catch myself saying that to my kids now. <laughs> you know, I'm like, how oh, done it? Aren't you ashamed of yourself? You should be ashamed. Be ashamed. <laughs> because there are things that ought to be shameful and things we should be ashamed of and nakedness is one of them. That's the broad principle on how we're going to dress. Does that make sense? Questions before I move on to the next one? Yes, Michael. So Adam and Eve were husband and wife, and they were the only human beings in the garden. So why was there a need for them to be ashamed? Um, are there any husbands and wives here? Okay. Adam and Eve were married, so why were they ashamed walking around naked? Um, I don't know if husbands and wives walk around naked all the time. <laughs> okay. Any other questions? <laughs> oh, shit. There were other eyes, too. The animals. Okay. <laughs> Jesus was there. Okay. All right. Okay, when you get married, do not walk around naked all the time, all over the place. Because what if someone comes to your house? Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I'm kind of worried to ask the question because I don't know if it's, like, dumb or if it even relates to it. But... You know what, sister? Ask the question. Thank you. Um, How would this relate to, like, jewelry and stuff? Because I know a lot of people have the topic of, like, wearing jewelry, and I've always been curious on the answer to that. (sighs) Any other questions? (laughs) It's not a dumb question. It's a very, very good question. So are there any others? Okay, one more. And you know why, why, why I'm doing this is because we're going to come to jewelry. Yeah, 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 okay. Wang? It's perfect, actually. Um, what is Adventist swimwear look like? Do Adventists swim? <laughs> She's like, what? Not on Sabbath. Okay, not on Sabbath. <laughs> what does Adventist swimwear look like? Um, just don't be naked. Don't be naked and don't be shameful. Any other really good questions? These are all really good questions. Uh, On the swimwear one, I want to submit to you... um, That would be part of the category of go and think about it. And you know what? Actually, I want to add something to that. Especially on the dress thing. Uh, I don't know. Men, I think, struggle a little bit less on this. Not that there's no struggle, but I think they struggle a little bit less. But for women, you know, sometimes it can be hard to find the style that goes with your body shape, right? Like, because dressing, it's not just wearing a dress. Like, you want to dress, wear a dress that is, uh, what's the word? Like, it complements your figure, right? Flattering, that's the word, yeah. So to find clothing that is flattering to you without being inappropriate because sometimes certain things are in style but they don't work for you right and then like it's like I, anyways so I just want to ask for any Seventh-day Adventists out there who are willing to go into the clothing industry and design a line of Adventist wear please please don't all be doctors and dentists <laughs> 
we need some Adventist attire out there. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Okay. Let's move on. Um, We're going to backtrack a little bit in our narrative. Go back to kind of the beginning of chapter 3. I didn't get your name, my sister. Oh, Lauren. Lauren, we will come to your question. Okay? I promise you. Um, Chapter 3... Uh, the serpent, when he's tempting the woman, it's about eating from every tree in the garden. And in, uh, in verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desired to be, make, to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And ever since then, diet has been an issue in the great controversy. Ever since then, how you choose to eat, what you choose to eat, when you choose to eat, has been related to your spiritual life. It's the truth. I already have a question. Oh, no. Are you telling us that um, being overweight or not looking right is because of what happened with Adam and Eve? Okay, okay. Question got deeper and deeper. Okay, she's, she's, she's asking me a very, very, very deep question, and it's deep because it actually has many facets to it, and I don't think I can do it justice. Um, What I am not saying is that um, is that all sicknesses are a result of not following God's nature's laws. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that we have autonomy over what we choose to put in our mouths. How we put it in our mouths, when we put it in our mouths, and how much of it we put in our mouths. I'm saying that we have freedom when it comes to that. And the way we exercise that freedom is related to our spiritual life. That is what I am saying. Eve chose to put something in her mouth that should never have been there. It shouldn't have been there because, not because, she looked at it, she examined it, she said it was good good for food. She said it was desirable to make one wise. But why should she not have eaten it? Because God said no. Because God said no. Okay, look. We have Leviticus chapter 11. There are certain things God has said no to. And I don't care what science comes up with. And they'll tell you that the pig is now good for food. And if you eat pig, you're going to be smarter. Because pigs are smart. (laughs) They are. And did you know pigs are actually very clean animals? 
Yeah. I know we think because pigs are unclean categorically, but pigs, like they have very, they're very meticulous about the environment. That's why they eat garbage because they're trying to keep the place clean. My dad raised pigs, and he says that they used to use the potty or whatever in, like, a certain corner, and they wouldn't go by that corner unless they had to use the restroom. Thank you. Voila. I don't even know that. Okay. (laughs) Pigs are cleaning animals. But no matter what science ever comes up with, God has said, don't eat it. I don't eat it because God said so. There are certain things that are, it's it's just an automatic no. Right? We agree? And then there are certain things that it's not necessarily no, but it's no right now. Um, It is not time to be eating. And I'm just popping everything that I see. like But it's not mealtime. But let me throw this in, because this is why it's important to think. Do you know that there are people who actually do need to eat like every couple of hours because of medical condition? Okay, so now if you're that Adventist who's like, no eating in between meals, and you see that brother or sister, you know, uh, after Sabbath school, before they go to divine service, they pop in something in their mouth, and you're like, oh, <laughs> Okay, so, so this is, it's a personal thing. Like, think for yourself. Like, the goal is not to be legalistic. Like, you're trying to be healthful, and you're trying to respect your body, and you're trying to do what's right by your body that God created for you. The ability to say no to food, to say no when it comes to diet, will give you spiritual strength in other areas of your life. When you learn to say no to that chocolate, When you say no to the chocolate, <laughs> if you learn how to say no to the chocolate, <laughs> Does somebody feel me here. <laughs> okay, personal struggle. All right, it gives you strength in other areas of your life. I heard a story one time about a gentleman, um, and this is related. Okay, but it's just related. This gentleman, you know, he was hanging out with a friend of his and. And they're not Adventists or anything. And his friend offered him a cigarette. And this gentleman said, no, thank you. And his friend was like, what? Why? And he's like, because every day I try to say no to something that I want. Because I find that it strengthens my willpower. That was a, it was a a secular guy. And he's like, learning how to say no to something that I want, I find that it makes me stronger. To be able to, to, my resolve to do the things that I ought to do. So when, when we learn to have temperance in the area of diet, figuring out not just what to eat, when to eat, how to eat it, this actually translates to other areas of our lives. It gives us the ability to say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. General principle on diet. Questions? Whoa, Okay. As an Adventist, are we not supposed to eat those things that God 
outside like a pig. Uh, why do we have veggie bacon? I just couldn't understand that. If you could why do we have veggie pigs? Because they're vegetarian. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> it's us. Okay. Um, her question is, you know, if we're not supposed to be eating uh, bacon, why do we have, what are they called? The Stripples. Aren't they so good? <laughs> no, why do we have that stuff? You know, like the, the fake stuff. As, from my understanding, that stuff, they're, they're supposed to be transition foods. So somebody who's trying to go from eating bacon and they're like, you know what? I still like the saltiness of bacon. I heard bacon is salty. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but then I can't eat it. Uh, and then I think the goal is supposed to be eventually you stop eating those dribbles and you start eating celery. <laughs> I think that's kind of the goal there. So about the temperance, I also wanted to add that I think the Sabbath, too, um, being disciplined with how we treat the Sabbath also helps us. Just being disciplined in all areas of our life helps us to be more disciplined in all areas of our life. So it's good. Voila. Okay. So, so discipline is something that translates to everything that you do. Amen. All right. Uh, let's move on to the next, next one. Let's go. Let's talk about, we did dress, diet, oh, music. Ooh, okay, we won't do music. <laughs> we, we won't, okay. Ezekiel, Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel 28. Um, P.S., there are a lot of resources on all this stuff, like, you know, dressing uh, your your diet. Here's here's why I'm not saying I'm not saying don't eat stripples. I I will not say that because I don't know where you're at in your life. Maybe you you just came into the church and you're transitioning, and stripples actually help you resist bacon. You know what? Like more power to you. Do what the Lord is calling you to do, and be faithful to Him, and grow in your experience. Okay. Use your mind, study the word of God, commit your life to him, and let's move forward. Amen? Okay. Music. Uh, Ezekiel 28, verse 13. We cover this in, uh, when we're talking about the story behind the story. Thou hast been in Eden, this is talking about Lucifer, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, the diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, carbuncle, gold. Uh, this is We're going to read this verse again, or we'll reference it when we talk about adornment. Um, the workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee before the day, in the day that thou was created. Um, this is talking about Lucifer who stood in the presence of God, who rebelled, who is now the head of the rebellion, the devil himself. The devil himself. is telling us that when God created him, that, 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 that phrase, the workmanship of thy tabrets, is like talking about his vocal cords. You know we don't have one vocal cord, we've got vocal cords. It, it seems like the way that God created Lucifer was he had such musical ability that the Bible even has to mention it. 
You know, when we think about heaven and the angels up in heaven, what do they do all day? We, yeah, we imagine the angels are singing holy, holy, holy all day long. And they are singing praises to God. And then they switch to holy, holy, holy. And then they switch to holy. And you know, they're singing holy, holy is God all the time. Right? That's, I mean, that's my picture of angels in heaven. Like they're just worshiping God in music like all the time. Well, this tells us. That Lucifer had such vocal ability. I imagine him at the head of the heavenly choirs. He was that angel that, that when they had a, a special music, he was the one who was up front. I mean, all the other, Gabriel was like backup, right? <laughs> and Lucifer was up front, and, and, and when he sang, man, it, it, it brought you to your knees in worship to the Lord because you were like, no way a brother can sing like that. God had to have created him. And you just worship the Lord by the, because of the beauty of the music that came out of this angel. Now you tell me this. An angel with that kind of musical ability falls from grace. Do you think he's going to use music in his attack against God? Do you think he's going to try to manipulate music to, to encourage people in his agenda against what God is trying to do in your life? That's the basic question, firstly. Secondly, I've heard people saying about music, music, you know, it's all about the lyrics. You know, if the lyrics are bad, the music is bad. Uh, I was, I, my husband was trying to convince me to do an experiment with you guys, but I didn't think it was appropriate. He wanted me to play a clip of a certain song that he, was, he said is guaranteed to elicit a certain emotional response. But I didn't think it was the right thing to do at GYC. Uh, but I can tell you about it if you come talk to me afterwards. The point being that just the music, not the words, but does the music itself elicit some kind of emotional response? Sometimes even a physical response. Okay. Uh, just because it makes you want to tap your foot, does it mean it's wrong? My son is one. He's 15 months. And we sing this song before worship time. It goes like this. It's worship, worship time. It's worship, worship time. When we wake up in the morning, worship, worship time. The best time of all, the best time of all. When we talk to Jesus, it's the best time of all. You know what my son does when we sing that song? The brother's jamming. <laughs> I mean, he's like, worship, worship time. <laughs> we're like, <laughs> I have no idea because obviously I don't dance. Right? <laughs> Like, this is like, didn't, when I sung it, was it innocent sounding? No. no? <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it was not. <laughs> yeah. But it, would you say, like, did it elicit in you, like, negative? Did it make you feel like, 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 like going clubbing? <laughs> 
just because, just because when, I, when I sing Seeking the Lost, I love Seeking the Lost. I cannot stand still with Seeking the Lost. And I think it's in, intended that way because it's supposed to make you get up and go and seek the lost, you know? But you're like, going afar. You gotta like, you know, it's like, it rouses you physically. And it, it, it elicits an emotional response to this, this commission that we have to preach the gospel. Music is supposed to do that. Music is not just supposed to reach us here, but music actually, science says music reaches parts of our brains before we've even processed what the words are saying. And you emotionally respond before you even realize what's going on. That's what music does, and it's supposed to do that. Now, when you think about the music that you listen to, does it draw you closer to God? Or does it do the opposite? I, when I first had this realization that music was important in my experience, my Christian experience, and I'm not saying that this is what you ought to do. I'm just testifying about what happened in my life. I, I went to my laptop and all my devices and I erased everything. I got rid of all of my music, all of it. And I prayed. And I said, God, I'm hearing so many stories about what I should listen to, what I shouldn't listen to. I don't know what the right thing to do is. Teach me. And slowly, slowly, music started being introduced into my life that when I would listen to it, it caused me to think spiritual thoughts. And, and, and a crazy thing happened. One time I was driving, I was, on a, I was going to a meeting and it was a long drive, it was like 12 hour drive. And I'm starting to kind of doze. And I remembered this really upbeat Christian song. And I'm like, I think this song's gonna wake me up, right? So I look it up online, pull up the song, I put it to play, and the moment I pressed play, I had to stop it. Because I couldn't think the thoughts I was thinking about God and have that song playing in the background. Does that make sense? Like, it was a Christian song. It was, and it was part of the collection that I got rid of, so it's there in my archive somewhere. But I, I, it just was incongruent with my Christianity. Does that make sense? Like, like it, I, I could not have that music and think about God, even though it was a Christian song. So just because the words are right doesn't necessarily mean the song is right. Yeah? You know, a lot of the hymns, uh, a lot of, uh, especially the, the, the newer hymns, were there were poems that were set to music that was being sung contemporary by the in, in contemporary society, and some of those songs were songs uh, that were sung in bars, but they put lyrics to them, and we sing them now. The music itself 
the music itself had value, but they, they were throwing lyrics in there and like making them drinking songs. And it was like, nah, man, you put this good music and you put good lyrics to it, and we've got hymns in our hymnal from that kind of situation. Uh, I feel like if I open for questions right now, I might get bombarded, okay? Uh, does it make sense what I'm talking about, what I'm saying? I will take a question or two. Any questions? Whoa, like, this, I thought I'd get questions like that. Oh, okay. I'll start in the back and head up. Okay. Where are you? Um, what is appropriate music to listen to while you work out? Or, like, clean music as well? What is appropriate music to listen to while you work out? What is clean music to listen to while you work out? Um, I'm going to challenge you, my brother, to go think about it. Yeah. Uh, you want me to give you an artist and, like, a soundtrack? I refuse. <laughs> I refuse to do that. You, you know why? Okay. I, I said in the beginning, right, that um, these things, like these lifestyle things, I really believe that God wants to speak to us individually. Like God wants to have a relationship with you. He's got, I've got my own relationship with God. Okay? He's the God of Abraham and Isaac. He's my God too. And, and when I, I talk to God about, Lord, you know, what am I supposed to do in this situation? And God wants to come close to us in such a way to answer those questions. And I, I, my, my challenge is try him. Like, ask him. Like, Lord, what I have determined is that music is important. And I want to be engaging in the kind of musical experience that's going to augment my spiritual relationship with you. So show me, when I, even when I work out, what should I listen to? Yeah? Uh, a friend of mine, he's, I don't know if I should say his name, but he's, he's a, a speaker and, and he's very buff and he memorizes scripture. Okay, some of you will know who I'm talking about. Um, and he, when, when he, I heard the story from my friends who went to work out with him um, and, and they said, they're like, Pastor, pa- Pastor, who you are? <laughs> pastor person <laughs> when you work out like w- what's going on in your mind and he's like you know what I, I when I work out I memorize scripture it's like I go Jude 1 Jude 2 <laughs> Jude 3 <laughs> I mean and the guy is buff so it works <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and that's, that's his thing and, and that's how he has worked out his scripture memorization routine into his daily routine. So he memorizes scripture when he's working out. You don't have to do that. That's him. Okay? Uh, I like to listen to music when I go running. Okay? And it's a journey. Lord, Lord what, what, what can I add to my playlist? Lord, give me something new because I'm sick and tired of listening to this same song, you know, when I'm running. You know, so pray about it and, you know, if you find something that you're like, this is super awesome, hey, start a website that's like Awesome Christian music for working out by Seventh-day Adventist. It might help somebody else. In your perspective, say like you're at church and there's music that some people think is hunky-dory and fine and good and they're blessed by it, blah, blah, blah. 
and you're not. It's a problem. How do you handle that? Um, so I, when this conversation about music has been at a personal level, like I was talking about your personal music choices, uh, let me let me let me throw in here that I believe that there is music that is appropriate for uh, personal worship, and then there's music that's appropriate for corporate worship. I'll give you an example. There are certain hymns that talk about I, 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 you know, yeah, me and my Lord, I did this, and me and Jesus, and 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 I love those hymns, but. You know, when we come for corporate worship, hymns that are probably more appropriate or even songs that are more appropriate have to do with we because we are worshiping together. And I think sometimes uh, we want to sing those songs at church because we don't sing by ourselves at home. We don't have worship where we sing. So it's like, oh, this is my favorite song. It's the only time of the week I get to sing it is at church. <laughs> you know, so you have to sing it there. Um, and additionally to your question is we'll be addressing that in the next session. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah? Okay. So what about drums and syncopation? We'll talk about that next session. Wait, wait, okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, I think I misunderstood her question because I got a lot of what, what? Okay, what? What about drums and syncopation? Like, is that okay to listen to music with drums and syncopation or to have that in the church or to worship with those kinds of songs? What about drums or syncopation? Is it okay for me to listen to music with drums or syncopation? How many of you here love Handel's Messiah? The, 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 the Christmas classic. Are there drums in that? Okay. Um, I, I'm just pointing out that a lot of people who will knock drums will be like, drums are evil, period, will listen to classical music, which uses drums. Okay? I'm pointing that out just to say, think. Think about it. Syncopation. Syncopation is, you know, you're like you kind of got like that that offbeat thing, right? Yeah, that's the syncopation thing. Uh, let me try and find the. I can find a hymn real quick. Who can think of a hymn real quick that's got syncopation? Mm-hmm. Anyway, he leaves me in this world below. Syncopation, sister. All right. I'm saying that to say, let's think. Yeah, I'm not saying you specifically. All of us, okay? And this is why I said it kind of peeves me, the tell me what to listen to formula. It's because there are guidelines, but then the specifics, you need to think. I I mean it. Like, you, you need to think through the decisions that you're making. Look, this is important. I, I think for all of these things, all these lifestyle things, if there was one thing that I could give to you is the gift of think. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not saying that there are no principles. I'm not saying don't listen to music seminars, you know, don't listen to the dress seminars. But I'm saying when you go there, have your mind engaged to think for yourself. Not just think for yourself. After you think, study as you think. 
and ask God to give you wisdom. Because when I hear the, 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 the all syncopation is wrong argument, it kind of doesn't vibe with what the same person will say, let's sing as an opening song. Sometimes, you know? Um, and, and when I hear the drums are wrong, and I come from uh, an African context. A lot of the times that I've heard, you know, the conversation about drums, they're like, yeah, because Africans, when they're worshiping the, 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 the ancestors, they use drums. And it's like, all right, but Americans, at Halloween, they use organs. <laughs> I'm just saying. I know about those organs. <laughs> So, so uh, all I'm saying is, let's let's have our thinking caps on, yeah, yeah. So I I did not give you a a yes or a no. I gave you a study it and think for yourself, think through it, okay? Does is that unacceptable? We can talk some more later if you're mad at me, okay? <laughs> I just want to add to um, this seminar that. A uh, couple months now, me, my family, and I, we've been study, um, watching this guy. He's a pastor, a Seventh-day pastor. His name's Christian Verdal, and he did a 10-part series about music. And he talked about multi-polyrhythmic syncopated beats and about the workout that he was talking about. And then I learned that he was he run by a study about, I want to go to the workout one, that he had like people work out in music with the regular workout music, a little hip-hop and all that. And then he had another group of people working out to classical music. And then the results was that people with the hip-hop music could not have as much strength and, like, endurance working out compared to the people that had classical music listening to them. So I just wanted to add that to everybody. Christian Vodal. Shameless plug for Christian Vodal. I love his stuff, too. When you, when you listen to it, Think. Uh, 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 this is okay guys is anyone mad at me right now <laughs> okay okay all right questions you got a question so is there a scientific evidence to show what is healthy music and what is unhealthy music um, yes there is scientific evidence to show what is healthy and what is unhealthy music um, but I will add that there is scientific evidence for everything it depends on who funded your research. Okay. So, so when you read, think, think, think. Okay. What about dancing? What type of dancing is okay? And is like praise dancing okay? And is it okay to dance at home and like in church? And what about dancing? Is dancing okay? Um, I, I have a friend of mine who we have an ongoing argument about this. Um, I'm like, David danced, and he's like, uh, I'm not sure you're going to dance naked like David, right? And I'm like, but David wasn't, like, completely naked. And so we've got an ongoing argument about it. Um, I don't have an answer for you on dance, personally. Um, the reason I don't have an answer for you is because you have dance in Scripture, um, but what I have been able to glean is that not all dance does the same thing, 
Um, not all dance would be appropriate. Um, and I'm not sure that we have come to the place where we fully understand which dance would be good and which wouldn't be, etc. So that is actually something we can tag onto the discussion uh, about uh, appropriate music in church in our next session because I, I feel like time is up. That's the feeling I feel. It is time. All right. Uh, adornment. Sister Lauren. Lauren. Um, adornment. Think. Okay. All right. No, we'll... we'll uh, I can talk to you personally about it, and at the beginning of next session, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about our dormant and go into the other stuff. Okay, let's bow our heads for prayer. Loving Father, there are very, very, very many elements and very many aspects of our lives where we need guidance. We need personal guidance. We need guidance as a church. But Father, we ask that as we submit ourselves to you, as we surrender our lives to you, that you would come into our lives and help us to think through these things. Lord, every time that we hear presentation, every time we hear someone um, sharing something from scripture, Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to be able to parse out what is truth, what is opinion, what is, and, and what we ought to do for our individual lives. Lord, we ask for the discernment that comes from the Holy Spirit. Thank you for bringing us here to GYC and bless us as we continue in our worship experience throughout this conference. In your name we pray, amen. This message was recorded at the GYC to the end in Houston, Texas. GYC, supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.